0: Chapter 3: Petty Management by Florence Nightingale. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Recording by Chad Horner from Ballyclare in County Antrim, Northern Ireland, situated in the northeast of the island of Ireland. Chapter 3: Petty Management. All the results of good nursing as detailed in these notes may be spoiled or utterly negatived by one defect viz in petty management or in other words by not knowing how to manage that what you do when you are there shall be done when you are not there the most devoted friend or nurse cannot be always there nor is it desirable that she should and she may give up her health all her other duties and yet for want of a little management be not one half so efficient as another who is not one half so devoted but who has this art of multiplying herself, that is to say, the patient of the first will not really be so well cared for as the patient of the second. It is as impossible in the book to teach a person in charge of sick how to manage as it is to teach her how to nurse. Circumstances must vary with each different case, but it is possible to press upon her to think for herself, now what does happen during my absence? I am obliged to be away on Tuesday, but fresh air, or... Punctuality is not less important to my patient on tuesday than it was on monday or at ten p p.m. I am never with my patient but quiet is of no less consequence to him at ten than it was at five minutes to ten curious as it may seem this very obvious consideration occurs comparatively to few or if it does occur it is only to cause the devoted friend or nurse to be absent fewer hours or fewer minutes from her patient not to arrange so as that no minute and no hour shall be for her patient without the essentials of her nursing a very few instances may be sufficient not as precepts but as illustrations a strange washerwoman coming late at night for the things will burst in by mistake to the patient's sick-room after he has fallen into his first doze giving him a shock the effects of which are irremediable though he himself laughs at the cause and probably never even mentions it the nurse he is and is quite right to be at her supper has not provided that the washerwoman shall not lose her way and go into the wrong room the patient's room may always have the window open but the passage outside the patient's room though provided with several large windows may never have one open because it is not understood that the charge of the sick room extends to the charge of the passage and thus as often happens The nurse makes it her business to turn the patient's room into a ventilating shaft for the foul air of the whole house. An uninhabited room, a newly painted room, an uncleansed closet or cupboard, may often become a reservoir of foul air for the whole house, because the person in charge never thinks of arranging that these places shall be always aired, always cleaned. She merely opens the window herself when she goes in. An agitating letter or message may be delivered or an important letter or message not delivered a visitor whom it was of consequence to see may be refused or one whom it was of still more consequence not to see may be admitted because the person in charge has never asked herself this question what is done when i am not there at all events one may safely say a nurse cannot be with the patient open the door eat her meals take a message all at one and the same time nevertheless the person in charge never seems to look the impossibility in the face add to this that the attempting this impossibility does more to increase the poor patient's hurry and nervousness than anything else it is never thought that the patient remembers these things if you do not he is not only to think whether the visit or letter may arrive but whether you will be in the way at the particular day and hour when it may arrive so that your partial measures for being in the way yourself only increase the necessity For his thought whereas if he could but arrange that the thing should always be done whether you are there or not he need never think at all about it for the above reasons whatever a patient can do for himself it is better i e less anxiety for him to do for himself unless the person in charge has the spirit of management it is evidently much less exertion for a patient to answer a letter for himself by return of post than to have four conversations wait five days have six anxieties before it is off his mind, before the person who is to answer it has done so. Apprehension, uncertainty, waiting, expectation, fear of surprise do a patient more harm than any exertion. Remember, he is face to face with his enemy all the time, internally wrestling with him, having long imaginary conversations with him. You are thinking of someone else. Rid him of his adversary quickly is a first rule with the sick. For the same reasons always tell a patient, and tell him beforehand, when you are going out and when you will be back, whether it is for a day, an hour, or ten minutes. You fancy perhaps that it is better for him if he does not find out you are going at all, better for him if you do not make yourself of too much importance to him, or else you cannot bear to give him the pain or the anxiety of the temporary separation. No such thing you ought to go we will suppose health or duty requires it then say so to the patient openly if you go without his knowing it and he finds it out he never will feel secure again that the things which depend upon you will be done when you are away and in nine cases out of ten he will be right if you go out without telling him when you will be back he can take no measures nor precautions as to the things which concern you both or which you do for him if you look into the reports of trials or accidents and especially of suicides or into the medical history of fatal cases it is almost incredible how often the whole thing turns upon something which has happened because he or still oftener she was not there but it is still more incredible how often how almost always this is accepted as a sufficient reason a justification why the very fact of the thing having happened is the proof of its not being a justification the person in charge was quite right not to be there he was called away for quite sufficient reason or he was away for a daily recurring and unavoidable cause yet no provision was made to supply his absence the fault was not in his being away but in there being no management to supplement his being away when the sun is under a total eclipse or during his nightly absence we light candles but it would seem as if it did not occur to us that we must also supplement the person in charge of sick or of children whether under an occasional eclipse or during a regular absence in institutions where many lives would be lost and the effect of such want of management would be terrible and patent there is less of it than in the private house but in both let whoever is in charge keep this simple question in her head not how can i always do this right thing myself but how can i provide for this right thing to be always done then when anything wrong has actually happened in consequence of her absence which absence we will suppose to have been quite right let her question still be not how can i provide against any more of such absences which is neither possible nor desirable but how can i provide against anything wrong arising out of my absence how few men or even women understand, either in great or in little things, what it is the being in charge, I mean know how to carry out a charge. From the most colossal calamities, down to the most trifling accidents, results are often traced, or rather not traced, to such want of some one in charge, or of his knowing how to be in charge. A short time ago, the bursting of a funnel casing on board, the finest and strongest ship that ever was built on her trial trip, destroyed several lives and put several hundreds in jeopardy not from any undetected flaw in her new and untried works but from a tap being closed which ought not to have been closed from what every child knows would make its mother's tea-kettle burst and this simply because no one seemed to know what it is to be in charge or who was in charge nay more the jury at the inquest actually altogether ignored the same and apparently considered the tap in charge for they gave as a verdict accidental death this is the meaning of the word on a large scale on a much smaller scale it happened a short time ago that an insane person burnt herself slowly and intentionally to death while in her doctor's charge and almost in her nurse's presence yet neither was considered at all to blame the very fact of the accident happening proves its own case there is nothing more to be said either they did not know their business or they did not know how to perform it to be in charge is certainly not only to carry out the proper measures yourself but to see that every one else does so too to see that no one either willfully or ignorantly thwarts or prevents such measures it is neither to do everything yourself nor to appoint a number of people to each duty but to ensure that each does that duty to which he is appointed this is the meaning which must be attached to the word by above all those in charge of sick whether of numbers or of individuals and indeed i think it is with individual sick that it is least understood one sick person is often waited on by four with less precision and is really less cared for than ten who are waited on by one or at least than forty who are waited on by four and all for want of this one person in charge it is often said that there are few good servants now i say there are few good mistresses now as the jury seems to have thought the tap was in charge of the ship's safety so mistresses now seem to think the house is in charge of itself they neither know how to give orders nor how to teach their servants to obey orders i e to obey intelligently which is the real meaning of all discipline. Again, people who are in charge often seem to have a pride in feeling that they will be missed, that no one can understand or carry on their arrangements, their system, books, accounts, etc., but themselves. It seems to me that the pride is rather in carrying on a system, in keeping stores, closets, books, accounts, etc., so that anybody, can understand and carry them on so that in case of absence or illness one can deliver everything up to others and know that all will go on as usual and that one shall never be missed note it is often complained that professional nurses brought into private families in case of sickness make themselves intolerable by ordering about the other servants under plea of not neglecting the patient both things are true the patient is often neglected and the servants are often unfairly put upon, but the fault is generally in the want of management of the head in charge. It is surely for her to arrange both that the nurse's place is, when necessary, supplemented, and that the patient is never neglected, things with a little management quite compatible, and indeed only attainable together. It is certainly not for the nurse to order about the servants. End of chapter 3 Petty Management by Florence Nightingale